Well, as you as you should know, if you don't know, uh, Faith Christian Center through me really is under the uh, under the uh, the umbrella of Rama Ministerial Association out of Tulsa, and our regional director. Uh, is located in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, uh, part of the worship service, Pastor Sam Smucker. And he was he and his wife, Sherilyn, were here a year ago. They've been here before, but he came and ministered uh, about a year ago. And uh, as I've been explaining to you over the last few weeks, today we have one of his brothers. I don't remember how many you have, but you'll, you can tell us. Um, uh, Dan Smucker with his wife, Kathy. Dan is a missionary at heart. He'll share with you maybe some of this, but they've traveled literally all over the world as missionaries and ministering to missionaries uh, a lot of times and Africa, especially in, in West Africa. And, and why I like to bring missionary people in, especially, because they have a, a view of what God's doing that's bigger than Seekonk, Massachusetts. And as we live our life and go through our routines in church, you know, especially in New England where all the states are smaller, because uh, and, and we can have, get a small view I know when we moved to Oklahoma to go to Bible school, it was it was expanded my vision because I thought I thought Massachusetts was big, and then I find out Oklahoma City is bigger than Rhode Island, and so there's a big world out there, but there's a big God doing big things, and so one of the reasons we have people in here that are missionaries and missionary working with missionaries is they bring a bigger focus, God's focus for the world. Praise God. And that's what these people are. So if you would welcome to Faith Christian Pulpit uh, Dan Smucker to come and minister to us. Thanks, John. Thank you. Thank you. God is good. I don't know if you'll continue clapping because I feel like I'm in enemy territory because I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. But it is exciting to see how many Christians, uh, young men, are in the NFL. And I remember a, uh, just recently Copeland gave a prophecy how young people will lead, uh, lead in a revival or whatever, lead us towards the things of God. And you look at some of these young football players, they're young people. You know, it's great to have like a life coach like that. If a team has a life coach like that, that's awesome. Because these young guys, I mean, we think they're these mature individuals and, you know, some of them are and so on, but it's good that they have somebody to speak into their lives from a Christian uh, uh, and a biblical background. Uh, we recently had uh, Carson, um, Carson Wentz in... Now, I know he didn't play in the Super Bowl, but uh, we had Carson Wentz in our area, in the Lancaster area, and I wasn't there but because the tickets were pretty expensive. But anyway, he, uh, the people that were there, I talked to one person that was there, and he said he was like he was a preacher. He was up there preaching in the Chamber of Congress. So, you know, it's really good to see that. And we need to pray for them. Even though we root for different teams and we get, you know, but uh, that's all part of the fun of it. All right. I do appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here. Thank you, Pastor John and Ray. Thank you for all the work you've done in the, you know, setting everything up and keeping us in tune and so forth. And so we uh, thank you for the opportunity and we believe that. The Word of God will minister to you today. In fact, it's the Holy Spirit that is your teacher. We were singing songs about 
you know, the, uh, the presence of God, uh, just being renewed in the presence of God and so forth. And that's, that's great. I mean, that is great worship. I appreciate that worship. But we also need to be aware that the Holy Spirit is in us all the time. So not just here to come and have a time of worship, but in everything we do, we can worship the Lord and we can be successful for God because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. Amen. 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 I'm starting to teach already and you don't even know it. (laughs) We just love to have a good time and we we believe that uh, God will just minister to us here today. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We believe the Word of God is a foundation that will never be shaken. And we thank you that today we have the opportunity to share the Word of God and to build our lives on that foundation and put that foundation into our lives. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. He lives on the inside of us. And your Word says, Lord, that He is our teacher. So we thank you that your Holy Spirit is our teacher here today, that He will Uh, Open the eyes of our understanding so that we may know uh, your great power and your love towards us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Just to tell you a little bit about uh, my wife and I, Kathy and I. Kathy, you want to stand? I think she's the most beautiful woman that ever lived and that ever walked on the earth. And and we have uh, a great marriage and just... We've been married for 47 years. Um, thank you for all those that were here yesterday, and we had a good time. Hopefully, you didn't have too many fights overnight when you went over some of those questions on that paper. Uh, but like Pastor John said, sometimes when we look at some of these things, you know, uh, and, and it causes us to be aware of some things that are way down deep in, and sometimes those heart issues need to come forward so that we can even be better in our marriage, or maybe you're having issues in your marriage, and therefore you can begin to deal with some of those things that, so that you can be an example to people around you of what a godly marriage should be. Because it is God's plan and purpose, and that was His plan from the beginning, that that a man and a woman would be married and would have a family. Uh, Also, we have um, uh, four children. My oldest is 45. I know I don't look that old. My youngest is what, 37, two boys and two girls. We have seven grandchildren. My oldest grandchild is 19. 19. I looked at her one day and says, how in the world did this happen? We have a 19-year-old granddaughter. She's at Drexel University, and she has a boyfriend, and it's like, and she is just a sweetheart, uh, loves the Lord. And, uh, I mean, then we have a 17-year-old, 15-year-old Girl, uh, daughter, granddaughters, we have a grandson that is uh, 12, 12 this month, 12, 12 this month. She always knows, you know. Come on, man, are you the same way? Yeah, yeah she always knows, especially she knows the birthdays. And I, I know the birthdays usually, but sometimes I have to ask her a little bit. But. Anyway, and then we have our youngest daughter has three of them. We have seven, like I said, and they are seven Six, two boys, 16 months apart, and they can tear the house apart. And a little girl that's three, and she's not far behind. She tries to keep up with our brothers. And they lived with us for 10 months. Just recently, we have a pretty big house. And uh, so they live with us. They put their house on the market, 
and it sold in a couple of weeks' time, and they needed a place to live for a little bit. So we just opened up our house because we had plenty of room. It was just us two and 4,500 square feet house. And, and, but, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. It really was. But there was times when it was a little challenging with all the noise and stuff. We found out. We understand why God gave us children when we are younger. You know, we can handle it better. <laughs> but we love them so much. And, and uh, so now... They recently moved out of the house, and we also sold our house because it's time to downsize. We're in that, we're in that time of our life. And uh, so now we're moving this week. Tomorrow will be our final move, and we're up here. <laughs> this was planned, and the date was planned long before we had sold our house. So, so, but we just thank God that He's providing for us. He's taking care of everything for us, and, and everything has gone smoothly at this point. Pastor John asked me to talk a little, a little bit about missions. And I'm going to, I don't know, so many times when I go to a place, I have two messages. Has ever happened to you, John? Probably never to you. But I have two messages. And somehow I, I say, well, which one, it's like, you know, which runway do I take to take off? And so many times when he puts two things in my heart, he will somehow weave them together. And that's what I believe will happen here this morning. I want to talk about missions and a mission that God has given to us. What is our mission that God has given to us? Talk a little bit about our involvement in missions. And then that ties in also with our calling that we have from God. And uh, our calling from God is very important, but sometimes we spend so much time trying to find out what our calling is that we miss so many opportunities to do what God wants us to do today. And we'll talk maybe a little bit more about that later. Our involvement in missions over the years, we were, um, got filled with the Holy Ghost in 1974. In February of 1974, a lot through the influence of Full Gospel Businessmen Fellowship. Some of you older people might know that. I mean, might remember them. And so we, so then they had an air, airlift, what they call an airlift, where we traveled to Italy in that fall, the fall of 1974, and had crusades and passed out tracks with a whole bunch of these businessmen. And I'll tell you, it just opened up my eyes to what God can do. I just never realized that these wealthy businessmen can be serving God in that way, and it was awesome. So that put a spark. Well, even before that, we had a spark for missions, even when we were young, even before we met. We had in our hearts something about missions. We used to listen or read material from T.O. Osborne. How many of you remember T.O. Osborne? And and we used (laughs) That's all right. No problem. No problem. You know, that that doesn't interfere with the anointing. Did you ever know that? Did you know that when Jesus healed the sick and made the lame to walk and all those kind of things? Things he was in the midst of a whole bunch of commotion many times. And you know, that's how it is with us many times. We think we have to come to church on a Sunday morning and have worship and all that before God can move. But God can move right where you're at. It doesn't matter if it's noisy. It doesn't matter if it's quiet. If it, it doesn't matter if it's chaos. I mean, when Jesus was walking on the earth, they would push him around. The crowds were so big, people would still get healed, filled with, and, and just receive the kingdom of God and whatever. So I think sometimes we have the wrong picture of the anointing and of God's presence. 
It's with us all the time. And you can draw from that to minister to people wherever you are. I'm talking about our mission. Our mission from God. That's what God wants. So our involvement over, for missions uh, increased as the years went by. We met each other. We realized we both had that on our hearts. For some reason, it was Africa. Because, I guess a lot because T.O. Osborne would minister a lot in Africa. And we had a heart. That was in our heart. And then we went to Rhema Bible Training Center. Uh, even in our, in our church, when soon after we were married, we were going to what was called the Grace Brethren Church. We, weren't, we didn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit yet. And uh, there was a preacher there from, I don't even know where he was from. And he was talking about missions. And boy, it burned on the inside of us. And he gave an altar call. We went forward to go to the mission field. And we were two little Amish kids. In other words, ex-Amish kids. And who, I mean, what did we know about going on the mission field? We didn't know anything. But as the years went by, God continued to burn that into our hearts. We went to Ramah. And every time they showed some kind of thing about missions in Ramah, we would sit there and weep. That has something to do with the call that's in your life many times, especially a younger person. Now, you don't go and try to make it happen. You just let God work it out in your life. Too many times we make the mistake of trying to make it happen. We sense there's a certain call in our lives, maybe to be a pastor or to be a missionary or whatever it may be. And we think, well, it's got to happen tomorrow. Hey, that calls for a lifetime. And it's a journey. Are you here this morning? I said it's a journey. And you can be content in that journey even though you're not in your final call, so to speak. I don't know if there is a final call. I think it just expands as we move towards heaven and towards the kingdom of God. Are you here this morning? So there's no room for the contention and so forth and the striving to try to get into our call. There's no room for that, really. Because Jesus has said, Paul said, and Jesus has called us to this kind of life that we would be content where he has us. And what he has us doing at the moment. And if we kind of get our focus on what we perceive to be our great call from God, if there is such a thing. Come on, I'm preaching really good. I didn't know I was going to talk about this first. But if we kind of get our eyes off of that and focus on what God wants us to do today, we will be much more content. And if I'm busy with the things of today and the opportunities he puts in front of me today to minister to people, if I'm doing that, if I'm open to the Spirit of God, the promptings that he puts on the inside of me, if I'm open to that and I move in on those promptings and I minister to people, I will feel fulfilled. And as I do that, God will gradually bring me to the place where he wants me to be. But today, he wants you where you are today. That's his will for you today. Oh, am I in the will of God? Sure. You're probably more in the will of God than you realize. As long as you do what you know to do, you're doing what God wants you to do. As long as that was pretty good. As long as you do what you know to do, well, how did I say it? How long, as long as you, as long as you do what you know to do, you're doing what God wants you to do. And we should be content in that. One of the reasons we get so consumed in striving for our call is, is we're comparing with someone else. 
But God made you, you. And all you need to do is be you. That's what God requires. Just be you. Be who you are, where you are. Be who God made you to be, wherever you are. In whatever vocation you find yourself in. In whatever your, find your, whatever your hands finds to do. Just be you. And let God use you in who you are. And you will be able to impact people around you for the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God will be expanded. Not because you're a pastor. Not because you're an evangelist or an apostle or a prophet. But because you're being you, led by the Spirit of God to minister to people around you. That's our mission. And God even equipped us. He gave us the Holy Ghost. I mean, He gave us His power on the inside of us. That's why Jesus said, you're supposed to go out, make disciples, and do the same works that I did. I know I'm putting in my own words. What did he do? He impacted people that were around him, no matter where he was. No matter what he was called to do. Wherever he was, there he impacted people because the Holy Ghost was working through him, the power of God. Now that same power is in you. It is in me. We don't bring it... We don't, we don't come here to get it. We bring it here when we come. Are you with me? We don't come here to get it because it's in us. The only reason the Holy Ghost is here this morning is because you're here. I'm here. We bring the Holy Ghost because He lives on the inside of us. If we're not here, they can use this building for anything they want. And God's not going to stop them. Because the Holy Ghost doesn't live here. The Holy Ghost lives in you. No matter how you feel. On a Monday morning you get up and... Man, we felt the Holy Ghost yesterday at church. Where is He now? Well, He's trying to wake you up. He's on the inside of you trying to wake you up. No, the point I'm making is this. Jesus said that the day will come when He was talking to His disciples before He was crucified in John chapter 14. He said to His disciples, He said, The day will come... When I, will, when I will, the Spirit will be in you. He said, when I will be in you. He said, now I am with you. John chapter 14. If you ever want to do a, do a study on the, on the Holy Ghost and what the Holy Ghost does, study Matt, uh, John 14, 15, and 16. Jesus was trying to give his disciples instructions about what's going to happen to him and what's going to happen to them when he leaves. It was just before the crucifixion. When he gave those, that, those instructions about the Holy Spirit. I believe it was, I, I could be wrong in this, but I believe it was when, we're, when they were up in the Last Supper. And he was telling them what would happen to him. And then he says, the day I'm with you now. That Spirit is with you now, but I'm going to send you another comforter. That comforter is with you right now because he was there. He was in Jesus. But he said, the day will come when he will not only be with you, but he will be in you. And I think in today's church realm, many, many people have no concept that the Holy Ghost is on the inside of them. I'm talking about believers. Even so-called spirit-filled believers. Paul said, we have a treasure on the inside. We have a treasure on the inside. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, a treasure. If we would only begin to understand what that treasure is. 
If we would only begin to understand what it really means that God himself, his power lives on the inside of us. Man, it's shouting time. Come on. He is with you no matter where you're at. And that's how we're going to fulfill the mission that he's given to us. There is like an overall mission, but there's also an individual mission or calling that each person has. And the only way we're going to successfully fulfill it is if we go by what, if we listen to him and do the things he asks us to do every day. Every given moment. Now, of course, I fail many times. Maybe you don't, but I fail many times to hear that voice. Every now and then, you know, there's a prompting and we, we hear these voices of why we shouldn't do it. I don't know about you, but that happens to me. Huh? Am I the only one? Probably happens too often, really. And you know, every time that happens and I don't heed to that prompting, those people are missing out on a blessing from God. Because I wasn't obedient to minister whatever God wanted me to minister. Not only will they miss a blessing from God, or maybe they'll miss being set free at that moment from something. But I'll also receive a blessing. I mean, uh, miss a blessing. And it's usually because my focus is somewhere else. It's usually because of many various things that we deal with every day. All right. That was my introduction. So our involvement in missions grew as the years went by. When we left Rhema, we got involved at the worship center. And we were involved in also planting a couple churches. And and all the time we were involved in missions. The first trip we took out of the worship center was a a trip to, uh, man, my mind went blank, Jamaica. Jamaica. And I was along on that trip. We were still at Rhema. And I was able to go along on that trip. And as time went on, there was just this burning desire to see the word of God go forth and set people free all over the world. God has people all over the world. God wants to minister to every individual in the world. What are there today? Seven billion? Eight billion? I'm not sure. When I was just a young kid, I think there was like one billion. Isn't that amazing? But God knows each one. God has a heart for each one. He is pursuing each one. But each one needs to hear. And I'm a vessel. You're a vessel that God can use so somebody can hear. Because he works through individuals. He works through people. I, I don't know why he set it up this way, but he did. You know, when we, tra- we travel to, uh, we've traveled to many African countries a lot of Muslim cultures and so on. And it's amazing how many times in the Muslim culture, how many times they will have a vision or some kind of dream that brings them to the Lord. Are you with me? Uh, I've heard the testimony of one girl. She said there was a knock at her door. She went to the door, opened the door, and Jesus was standing there. I have a good friend in Sierra Leone. His name is Masakwe. He comes from a family, a Muslim family. His father had five wives. So there's 23 children. And he was a, a sheik, sheik, sheik. He was a sheik who, is a, who leads the prayers in the mosque. Am I right? 
If any of you know, I'm not sure, but uh, that's what he was, and he was only 14 years old. And so that family was highly respected in the village. This happened in Sierra Leone. Highly respected. One day, one night, he had a dream or a vision. And Jesus came to him and gave him two scriptures. Two scriptures. The first one was John 3.16. You know what that is? I'm blank. What what does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I came to bring life to the world. The next verse. Amen? And then the second one was, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He had no idea where that came from because he didn't know the Bible. Jesus didn't tell him how to get saved. But immediately, he thought about a pastor friend that had befriended the family. Now get this, a pastor friend had befriended the family. He wasn't so concerned about being a pastor, he was concerned about people. That's our mission, people. Your calling is really not all that important. People are much more important. Now I'm not saying a calling is not important, that's what I'm saying. But I think you know where I'm coming from. People are more important than my calling. People are more important than my goals. People are more important than my ministry. It's people. God is concerned about people. So this pastor must have been flown in that because he befriended this family. And I know the pastor. I know him quite well. And he... um, So the, the young man, he... Didn't know what to do with this, so he went to the pastor, friend. The pastor led him to the Lord. I have never heard a Muslim testify that had seen a vision or a dream get saved by the person that would appear to them. Like an angel or whatever. They always had to go to someone where that person would then explain it to them and lead them to the Lord. God wants to use you because he works through people. I said God wants to... Work, he wants to use you because he works through people. And that's how he set it up. To this day, I have not heard a testimony where Jesus knocked on somebody's door and told him how to get saved. I mean, maybe there was a case like that, but I've never heard it. That's why it's important for us to be willing to walk in the mission that God has given to us. What is our mission? What is our calling? Overall, what is our calling? People, number one, right? Minister to people. Bible says in Corinthians that we have the ministry of reconciliation. It's not just talking to preachers. He's talking to every believer. You have the ministry of reconciliation. That's our calling. Are you following me? Ministry of reconciliation. What's the ministry of reconciliation? It's going forth and telling people what Jesus did on the cross. Because he is the one who has reconciled us through his blood to God the Father in heaven. And he opened up a way. And he opened up the way and took away the barrier and the wall that was between us and God. And, was, and now we are able to go in the very presence of God without any guilt or shame. 
It's a little bit like when I was a young boy. Sometimes you would do things that your parents, or me, maybe, I'm sure you were always very good. So sometimes I would do something that my parents didn't approve of. And I think I was around 10 years old. And like John said, there's a bunch of brothers. There's seven of us. And, so the, and then there's five girls yet. So there's 12 of us. Yeah, we took, my mom and dad took seriously when God said they're supposed to be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> Her family has 14. We have Amish background. And they have big families. And we had a lot of fun. Still do. I'm glad I come from a big family. I'm serious. We have a lot of fun. We all live in the area down there in Lancaster. We get together sometimes. And, and uh, yeah, just have a great time. Recently, I'll get back to this then. Recently, um, my, my brother Lloyd, he's number 10 in the family. He is a representative in Washington from our area. He represents our area in Congress. So recently, we were, us brothers were able to go down there, all seven of us. We're together down there with him for three days. And we had a great time. Also, really, God spoke to me about some things, too. Because I was able to be in, in a, a meeting that they call conference, where the Republicans uh, come together. And again, it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat, all right? We're not, we're not here to talk about politics. Are you with me? Now, my brother Lloyd, he is a Republican. Are you with me? So we were on the Republican side of things. And he said there are many, many Republicans who are Christians. And that was good to hear. We were able to be, he introduced us to a few of them. And I just saw the heart of these guys. They sacrificed for us. And we need to be praying for them. This is what God convicted me about. Rather than always being, being blaming them or accusing them or, or doing things like or criticizing them, I need to be praying for them. Because I really don't have any idea what they're going through down there because the news doesn't let us know that. I know I'm just right on the edge of a political speech, but I'll stay away from that. (laughs) But we had a great time and I was in this conference um, uh, room and the the way they opened that session was with prayer. And the man, the congressman that opened up with prayer, that had the prayer, you would have thought he came from a church like this. Powerful, powerful prayer. And I was really encouraged that God has put people in our government that are serving Him. And they want to serve Him. We pray for them. We pray that God would hold them strong. And we pray that the ones that don't want to yield to righteousness, we pray that God would replace them with people like you. Maybe one of you replace them. With someone who's going to stand for righteousness. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So us seven brothers, we were down there and we had a great time. But what I was going to say, I was going to tell you this story. You thought I forgot. We were, I was maybe 10 and my oldest brother, who is Pastor Sam. He is the oldest in the family. Uh, he, was, he would have been 15 or maybe 16, something like that. Then I had another brother that's number three. And we all decided to buy a pack of cigarettes. Now, if you smoke, I mean, that's up to you. I'm not condemning you. All right? Are you understanding me? Huh? I'm not condemning you. But I am saying you can be free from it. <laughs> but no condemnation in the name of Jesus. So, uh, so we were down. We had a building where I had pigs and chickens in it. 
that was kind of away from the other buildings. And it was good they were because pigs are pretty stinky. <laughs> and so we, had, we went down there and we smoked some of these cigarettes. And I went into the house and mom was in there. Right? And of course she's going to smell it on me. So um, she said a little bit something about it. And I said, well, I actually lied to her. I don't know if I ever told her that I lied or not. She might be hearing me now saying it. I don't know. Because she's in heaven. And uh, so I, um, I said, well, you know, we have a feed man and he used to smoke cigars. And we just took a couple of his stubs and we're smoking his. <laughs> God forgive us. <laughs> but the point I'm making is this. I'm sure dad found it out, but he never said a word. So when I come into his presence for a period of time, there was shame. There was guilt. Are you with me? But we don't have that anymore with God. Because we can go into the presence of God without any guilt and shame. No matter what your past is, no matter what you've done in your past, you are free in the name of Jesus. That is the ministry of reconciliation. That is our mission. We're supposed to go tell people that they're free. That's our mission. So back to my story about missions. Uh, I was, uh, uh, excuse me. I was part of uh, the worship center on staff for a while. I was missions director. We had the opportunity, and I thank God for those wonderful opportunities to travel, to visit. We had as many as 40 missionaries. So it was my responsibility to go visit them, encourage them. And every time I would do that, <coughs> we would either do a, maybe a leaders conference, we would teach in their Bible schools and things like that. So we've traveled all over the world. We've seen many different cultures. We've seen how God can move in people's lives. And we've also seen how God wants to set people free no matter what culture they're from, no matter the color of their skin, no matter what their background is or anything like that. God wants to set people free from the chains of bondage. He wants to set them free from guilt and shame. He wants them to be free serving him with a pure heart in the name of Jesus. Now, how is he doing this? How is he going to get it done? Before I say that, I just want to tell you this. We are involved in the, at the present in Sierra Leone, which is West Africa. Uh, we've been to 17 African countries, I think it is, and to many other countries and other continents. But uh, Africa uh, has a special place in my heart. Some of my best friends are from Africa. Amen. We have a few individuals. We have one individual in Kenya that is a Kenyan, and we adopted him as a missionary. We have another one from Nigeria. Um, where are you at? There you are. Uh, Paul and Flores uh, from Nigeria. Their backgrounds from Nigeria. Did you ever live in Nigeria? Yes, yes you did. Okay. All right. So we've been to Nigeria probably 10 times. And we have a brother there that we've adopted as a missionary. as a huge, huge ministry. Huge ministry. We helped him get a Bible school started many years ago. And so on. So I could tell you story after story. I could tell you how God moved and set people free. Miracle after miracle of God setting people free. So wonderful. You know, when you go sometimes on the foreign field, when you go on the foreign field, sometimes you see miracles that we don't see here. And I'm often asked the question, why? Well, I think here we have so many things we can fall back on on our faith. Like we think, well, I'm believing for $1,000, but if it doesn't come through, I'll go to the bank and loan it. See, we have crutches we fall back on. Well, I'm, 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 I better not say that. That might be the wrong thing. I was going to say, like, 
for healing. Sometimes, you know, we say, well, we can go to the doctor. Well, you need to go to the doctor if, if you're not healed. Are you with me? And just because you go to the doctor doesn't mean your faith is not there. So I'm very careful how we say that because we do not say you should not go to the doctor. But over there, they don't have doctors. In Sierra Leone, in recent times, I have lost some close friends at the age of 40, 45. Their life expectancy there is like 49. So, and, and they go to the hospital for maybe a minor thing. And before you know it, they're dead. Why? Because of the things that they experience in the hospital. Or the things that the hospital, that, the, that the, uh, the staff doesn't do and should be doing and so forth. There was a brother that was diabetic. And the more I hear of his story, he died in the hospital. The more I hear of his story, I believe he went so low that he died. And they didn't, do, didn't know what to do about it. So we thank God for the hospitals, the doctors, and the whole medical field that we have here. Amen? Amen. Many of us are alive because of that. Because of what they do. They're instruments in God's hands. And God gives us the wisdom in the medical field. But at the same time, we put our faith in God. He is our healer. Hallelujah. I said, He is our healer. So even if you go to the doctor, your faith can still be in God. I know I'm preaching really good. Patting myself on the back here. So we've been involved in Sierra Leone recently. We do conferences there. What we do is we go into a new area. There's like 16 districts, and we want to go to every district. We've been the 12 of them, where we go to the main city, we go with a medical team, and then we have a conference. So we use something that ministers to the people physically so that they're open to receive the gospel. Now, one of my concerns in missions today, I'm talking about missions, one, in my, one of my concerns in missions today is that we get so wrapped up in the human... human <laughs> My Amish tongue doesn't want to bring it out. Humanitarian, humanitarian ministry and things that we forget to give them the gospel. And we know of many, and again, I'm not saying they're not doing a good work, but I have observed that there's many ministries that are doing things, drilling wells, all these kinds of things, but I don't hear that they're giving the gospel to the people. And that's always my concern. Even at the worship center, it's my concern. That we don't get so involved in meeting the physical needs that we forget to tell them that Jesus is really the answer for their lives. And in missions, no matter what you do in this church and missions, if you send people out, I know you're, you're involved in supporting missions, but maybe someday you'll come when you'll send people out from here. Maybe some of you sitting this morning and are seeing, thinking, well, I need to go sometime. Are you hearing me? But my concern is, is that we constantly put the gospel, when we're helping people, that we constantly keep the gospel in the forefront. And that's what we do in Sierra Leone. We have these, these medical uh, teams that go, and, and we maybe have four or five days where people by the hundreds come, and they want some medicine. And we, we have people donate medicine to us. Uh, just, I mean, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of medicines we take over there. And when we give them out over there, people come back and say, wow, this stuff really works. Because they're so used to having things that are so watered down that it really doesn't make much difference in their lives. But then, of course, there's also a challenge in that. The challenge is, is that we make sure they know how to use them. And that they don't just get in the hands of the public, but we try to keep what's left over. We try to keep it a clinic or somebody is knowledgeable. So, I mean, it could kill people. We know that. 
You know that. So we do that, and then right on the heels of that, we'll have a conference. And in the conference, we get these pastors in the area, leaders in the area, to begin to work together to plan the conference. And these people never worked together before. So we try to build unity among, among the leaders in that area. So they will be involved in getting the conference together. And we may ma- maybe have hundreds of people in the conference. And it's usually a leaders' conference. And so we teach them and we train them. And then when we go after the conference, they'll form what is called a chapter where these leaders commit themselves together to work together. The name of the ministry that I'm involved with is Horizons of Hope. We want to give them hope. Sierra Leone is one of the poorest countries in West Africa. And you go there, they live just from day to day just to survive. So everything they think about is survival. And we want to raise up leaders and train them to, to leaders of integrity and leaders that have the word of God. Because we believe when the leaders are changed and we have good leaders that are, have a foundation of the word of God, we believe not only will their church be changed, but we believe that their country will be changed. Amen. And we have testimony of people that are grabbing a hold of the word of God. There's been times when we traveled, like one time we traveled to a village in Kenya and it was all Muslim when we got there. In fact, in Sierra Leone, there's an example like that. We had a couple go from, from our area to go to Sierra Leone. They went to this village. There was no road back to this village. And as far as they know, they were the first white men to be in, white people to be in that village. When they went there, there was no church there. We don't know of any believer that was there. This was a village, maybe probably a couple thousand people. And so just a few years, so they went in and their heart was to start a school for children. Which they did. They funded it. We built them the building. Well, we don't actually build them the building. We just give them some things a little bit at a time. And then they build it. And that's a key in missions. A key in missions is not just to give handouts. Because when we give handouts, I mean a key for our nation as well. When we give handouts and they depend on us and they're looking to us. Rather than looking, rather than pointing them to God, we're saying you have to depend on us and then we'll give you the next dollar. That's not how it's done. Amen. We don't want, and I know you've heard this before, we don't want to teach them just, we don't want to just give them fish, we want to teach them how to fish. Amen. Our goal is, as we get involved in an area, that those people there, we become self-sustaining. So we are establishing training centers. When after the, chapters, the chapter, chapter is formed in this city, then they work together and we start a training center, or they do actually. They found out they can do it without any money. That was a big revelation for them. That they didn't have to have money for us to continue to do things for God. You see, the, the, the image there that they have is that we're these rich Americans coming over there and we have money trees in our backyard. And all we have to do is go pick a couple leaves of money trees and then we can come give it to them. Well, in our conferences, we tar- start teaching very strongly. It says, you have something you can give. I don't care how poor you think you are, and I'm speaking to you here this morning. I don't care if you think you have nothing. You have something you can give. And when you begin to give, you will begin to plant seeds and that seed will multiply in your life. But you're not giving just so you can get more. You are giving because you love people and you want to help someone else. If you are in depression here this morning and if you're at at a place where like uh, one of the worship leaders was saying about being stale and so forth, you know what you can do to get out of that? Go help someone. Force yourself to go help someone. And all of a sudden the focus is no longer on you. It begins to focus on other people around you. 
and it'll set you free. It'll bring a revival into your life. It'll bring revival into this church. When we do it, when we go forth and we get our focus off of ourselves and we begin to focus on the needs of other people and, that, and by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, you will begin to see freedom come to those people because of your ministry to them. That's what it's all about. It's not about just coming here sitting on a Sunday morning. It's about every day of the week. It's about you being involved. Not just in the things of the church on Sunday morning. That's part of it. But it's about you being involved with people every day of your life. Wherever you are, God has put you there. For a purpose. That co-worker. Yeah, but I hate my job. No, don't hate your job. I mean, you might have a bad job. That's fine. But be thankful to God that you can work and begin to minister to your co-workers. And God will promote you. It's amazing what God does when you begin to reach out to other people and get your focus off of yourself. I know I, I, people consider me as a teacher, but a lot of times I preach my teach. So if somebody said that's a treacher. A new word for you, a new calling. I'm a treacher. <laughs> so we just have many things that um, in missions... Uh, many things that we've seen and, and been accomplished because of the Spirit of God. And we just thank God for how the people are being set free. First time I went to Sierra Leone, they asked me for everything for the conference. Everything. I wanted to have communion at the end of the conference. There were 34 leaders there. And at, at the end, they, uh, towards the end, they came to me and said, I said, I want to have communion then with you guys. Then he said, well, we need money for the elements. And I was like, ah, can't you do anything yourself? Yeah, you get frustrated. You know. So we continued to teach. You have something you can give. You see yourself as poor. You have a poverty mentality. Poverty mentality. You know what a poverty mentality? I could do a whole message on poverty mentality. You know what that is? It's when uh, we can have a poverty mentality. It's when we look to any source other than God to meet our needs. That's a poverty mentality. When we look... To a source outside of God. Anything except God. To meet our need. No matter what that need is. That's a poverty mentality. 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 You want to do this? <laughs> I have fun up here. <laughs> so we continue to teach. So the next conference... They start grabbing a hold of it, right? They buy the communion elements. Ah, they're starting to receive it. Ah, there's nothing better. There's nothing more fulfilling to a teacher or to a a person that is reaching out to people in this way than to see them grab a hold of it and run with it. A number of years, we started in 07. A number of years later, um, we had a few issues with some of the leaders over there because of poverty mentality. Our main leader was siphoning off money. So we had to go and deal with that. And really, you know, it was kind of hard. But I'm not afraid to confront things usually, but it was hard. Because this guy was a great guy. But I had to ask him to resign. And so after that, a lot of the other leaders were like, oh, man. So we all met. I met all the chapter leaders, brought them together and says, what do you want from us? I don't think I said it quite that way. I just said, what do you want from us? And uh, 
It's the first time. First time. They didn't ask for money. That was a milestone. In that kind of culture, it was a milestone. We as Americans, being there, they look at us as having the money. They didn't ask for money. I knew something was happening on the inside of them. I'm talking about missions. Something was happening on the inside of them. They asked, they said, this is what they said. They said, we want training for our people. And that's when we began talking about the training centers and all that. Where today, recently, uh, we had a, um, another, crusade, another conference in a, in a new area. It was the area where, like the seat of evil there in Sierra Leone. It's the area where the Civil War started. They had an awful Civil War for 10 years. And it was an area where, it was the area where the Ebola outbreak started. And it was on, it's like the, where all the evil stuff comes into the country. So we had a conference right in the middle of that. Uh, uh, we had a, a medical team and a conference. That was last March. Wasn't it? And uh, so, of course, right away, they formed the chapter and said, we want a training center. And they started one without us giving them any money. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. They use our curriculum and all that, and they're under the, our main coordinator over there. But they, they didn't ask us for money. They just started. They have 57 students. We had another training center that started just recently in the town of Soa. And there, the, the, the training center has 2,000 students. They meet every, every Saturday morning. Not, I mean, I'm sorry, not 2,000, 200. Did you say something? Thank you. Yeah, 200 students. And these students, they walk for hours to come there on a Saturday. Hungry for the Word of God. So awesome. I could tell you story after story after story of what God is doing. Not only in Sierra Leone, but in many parts of the world. God is at work. But he still needs many more to go. Uh, look at a scripture with me. What time you quit? Yeah, 10.30, right? I mean, the service is over 10.30, right. Just a few scriptures and then we'll close. Uh, Matthew 28. This is where Jesus again was with his disciples after he was resurrected. And he was going to ascend into heaven. And he knew that he was going to let them behind. And of course, they're wondering what they're going to do. And he says to them. And you, you all know this scripture, but it's good to be reminded. It says, then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, he worshipped him, but, was, but some doubted. Then Jesus came and spoke to them. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now we know that when he died on the cross and he rose again, that all authority was given to him. We know that, right? But did he then give that authority over to us? Huh? He did. So we have the same authority that Jesus has. Do we, do we really get that? I think if I would really get that, I would act a little different. We kind of scratch the surface. We kind of scratch the surface of being aware of what's on the inside of us. And the more fully aware we become of it, the more bold, I believe, we will become in doing what God wants us to do. That is the equipment and the key that he's given to us so that we can fulfill the call that he's put on our lives. And that is the Holy Ghost on the inside. 
I say the Holy Ghost, the anointing and the presence of God is all the same thing. It's all on the inside of you. Then he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you. And lo, I am, I am what? I am what? I am what? I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. I think I was at the end of the earth one time. I was in way up, way north in Kenya, right on the, 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 the border or the edge of the Sahara Desert. And we drove all day. Kathy, you were along on that trek. We drove all day. It was so hot. And I thank God for the air-conditioned vehicle we had that day. I mean, it was really, it was probably 110 degrees. And I'm not kidding. It was so hot. And we drove mile after mile after mile in this hot weather, desert-type land. Hardly ever saw a single soul. And after a while, we came to this village. And I told Jonah, the missionary I was with, I said, man, this, we must be at the end of the earth. <laughs> we got to this village. And I used to teach at a Bible school there for, many, for a number of years in Kenya. And we got to this village and a bunch of us were in this vehicle. And as we were coming out, and I was the last one to come out. And there was this young, this, uh, this, this short guy there. And when he saw me, he started dancing. He started dancing. Dancing. He said, I can't believe that a white man would come way out here to see me. That's the rewards of going many times. I was in Nigeria for a month one time. And when I was about to leave, they, they, they like to party in Nigeria. They like to have feasts, am I right? Huh? They have feasts. I mean, a wedding it lasts how many days? Huh? Three days? You know, they like to feast and have fun and party. Well, I'm a party person, so I enjoy that. But anyway, uh, they had this feast for us when we were, as we were leaving. And this is the greatest compliment I ever got. And again, I'm not trying to lift myself up. I'm trying to show you that God is interested in people. And he wants to send people so other people can hear and maybe you're one of the ones that he wants to send. And you, you hear all these voices of why you can't go. But maybe you're not one of the ones that he wants to send. Maybe he wants you to be here. Well, your mission field is here. But you can still help by giving and by helping send other people, according to Romans chapter 10. There it says, how can they, how can they uh, believe if they don't hear? How can they hear if nobody, if nobody goes? How can they go if nobody sends them? Romans chapter 10. Oh, yeah, my story. Got to come back to my story, right? So I was sitting there, and they were giving little speeches. And one man got up. Uh, I think this was um, uh, Dr. What's his name? Dr. Jude got up. Good friend of mine. What a friend. I forget his name, right? <laughs> no, really. I mean, you know, you know, people say at our age, we get forgetful. We get forgetful at our age. I'm, I'm 65. But do you realize... My, the computer up here, all the information it has from 65 years. And maybe you're, maybe you're 20. And you don't even have half the information that I have in my computer. So rather than being forgetful, I usually think, well, they have to go way back in the files of that computer to retrieve this information. Come on. So he stood up, 
Dr. Jude puts it up. In fact, they have two hospitals there. And they have a, a Christian school that has thousands and thousands of students. The last I heard, it was like six, 7,000 students in different locations. They have over 100 churches and, and just an amazing ministry in Aba, Nigeria. And, and other, other cities. And he has a church in Germany. He has a church in Seattle. And, and basically has spread all over the world. And we were helping them way back in the 1980s. We helped them to start a training center. This, this young man was an evangelist. And he said, I have to disciple, disciple my people. And it grew into this large ministry called Living Word Ministries in Nigeria. So Dr. Jude stood up and he says, we forget you're not, you're not black. I was the only white person there. I hadn't seen another white person for almost a month. Are you with me? And that's where we need to be in our nation today. Rather than all this racism and division, let's not be a part of it. Amen? I mean, many of the, many of the forces in our nation, they want us to be racist. And they're trying to promote that. But we as believers, we have no place for that. Because we're all the same. And I go to Nigeria. I've gone to Nigeria back there and I didn't even think about it. Although if I would see another white person on the street, I would like. <laughs> and you would too if you're among all the, all the white people. You know, you see another black person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wonder where he's from. <laughs> but there's no room for that kind of, for that kind of thinking. In our churches. Because we're all one. We're all the body of Christ. We all pull together. And do the ministry that God, is, God wants us to do. Like John Osteen used to say, I'm trying to find a place to land this thing. I'll land it on Acts chapter 1 verse 8. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me. I want you to see this. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this. Well, let's read verse 7 first. And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or season which the Father has put in his own authority. So don't be concerned about the date Jesus is coming back. Don't be concerned about those things. We should be involved in the ministry of reconciliation. I'm not saying you can't learn about end times and so forth. But let's not be so concerned about those things that we forget to minister people around us today. That's my point this morning. Minister to those that you come in contact with. God has put you there for a purpose. May it be your job no matter what your vocation is. Maybe you're a, maybe you're a doctor. Maybe you're a medical doctor. You can reach medical doctors. I can't. Are you with me? Yes. Now, I might, if I have a friend, I do have a few friends, and in that way, but you are in the midst of them, and you can reach them. Yes. And no matter what the vocation is, that's why you're there. So he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses. Our mission, our calling to be a witness for him. But you know, a lot of people think, oh, it's hard to be a witness for Jesus. You know why? Because we think witnessing is a program. 
Now, thank God for some of the programs. I'm not against those. But really, witnessing is not a program. You are a witness for something all the time. We start talking about football. I'm a witness for the Eagles. You're a witness for the Patriots. Are you with me? Because you breathe it. You, it's part of your life. And that's how it should be with Jesus. We should be so on fire for Him. We should be so aware of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us that everything we do is a witness for Him. It's not me trying to be a witness. I am a witness for something all the time. And the more aware we become of Him, His presence, His power on the inside of us, the more we will fulfill the calling that He has upon our lives. And that is the overall calling we all have. And that is the ministry reconciliation to worship Him, to be a witness for Him, and to minister to people around us. So go out and do it. Then He says, you will be a witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Did you know that right here, you can fulfill that scripture. You, every individual right here can fulfill that scripture. Why? Because you are in one of the ends of the earth. Seekonk, Massachusetts is not mentioned here. So it must be one of the ends of the earth. See, we think we can't fulfill this. But we can every day of our lives. No matter where we're at. Now, God will call some people to go. And if that's you, then you need to talk to somebody. You need to move forward and prepare and so forth. But you don't have to strive for it. But if you can't go to the foreign field, if you, don't, if you don't feel called to be a missionary or be called to be on the foreign field on a, on a more long-term basis, you can go on one trip. Boy, I got a lot of amens on that one, John. Wow. I'll leave you with this. I believe every individual should go on a trip to some other country. I'm not talking about Hawaii. Of course, that's the same country. I'm not just talking about Canada unless you go way up north. I'm not just talking to go in those countries. I'm talking about Africa, villages, way out somewhere where the gospel has never gone or even just to experience different cultures. It will change your life. I have people, we have people gone on these trips and they come back and you don't hear them complain anymore. They're not concerned about the worship anymore, John. They're not concerned about all the different things that are happening in the church. They become so thankful for what they got. Because we have so much. So let's not hoard it for ourselves. Let's go out and give every day of our lives. Thank you.